0: Welcome to the Serious TV Drama Podcast. I'm Scott, and joining me once again this week... I don't know if he's the pecan in my pie, but he's certainly become the wasabi in my eye. It's Brian. Hey, Brian. Well, Scott, you're the
1: lemon water in mine, so it's (laughs) good good to be back. (laughs) Le
0: LaCroix. We are back. Back to delve into the latest episodes of Succession and Barry, as both series are just a couple away from finishing their mutually excellent four-season runs. So, you know what? Let's not waste any time. Crack open Succession with America Decides, which is the 7th episode of this final 10-episode run of Succession. I think I want to note right off the bat that this episode was written by the series creator himself, Jesse Armstrong. Um he often writes the first and usually like the last couple episodes of mo- of the pr- previous seasons. Um this season he again wrote the first one, but he also wrote Connor's Wedding episode, we know that's the Did They Just Kill a Logan Roy episode? And the one that followed it, Honeymoon States. And, of course, he's also written this one. Um, I'll notice a little similarity between at least three of the four, because um, we've discussed this on the podcast before, maybe even to the point of being ad nauseum. Largely takes place in pretty much one location, ish, and while not not quite in real time, it's still very compressed time. The episode we're about to discuss, I would say, um, we're viewing about seven or eight hours or so that are compressed into the runtime of a single episode. Um, now we've had a really fantastic run of succession so far. Um, oh, by the way, um, the thing that I couldn't remember for sure last week, I I did go back and check and I posted, uh, clips of it on Facebook. So I was roughly right. The the joke parallel in that scene was indeed, um, referring to the idea that, um, that, that Shiv was going, Shiv was going around the party and basically, um, spread, the word was spreading that Tom was about to be shit-canned, and she tried to p- play it off as some sort of joke, and he goes, how is that a joke? Could you explain it to me? I don't get it, whatever. Which parallels the scorpion joke in the beginning of the episode. Just wanted to get that out of the way. I also made a mistake during the course of that episode. I'll make a reference. Uh, when we were talking about it, I'll refer to it at a certain point when we talk about this episode. Um, this episode, Brian, I, I really felt um they really decided to up the ante here they've often thrown i would say i like to say they've thrown a funhouse mirror up to society it be the world of business or the media or politics and of course they do a lot of that with this one uh clearly this is the kind of episode that's probably going to hit a little too close for home <laughs> for at least a significant part of the audience um it, it certainly eerily echoes the past couple presidential elections and I would say, and I don't, to be clear, I am not saying this as a criticism in any way, shape, or form, but we have talked in about many of the plot turns and things that have happened in previous episodes as you can never be sure which way they're going to go on succession. Um Although, by and large, maybe you should be able to, I don't know. This is the only episode of the season where I was pretty sure I knew where it was going to go. You know, just a few minutes into it, and that is where it went. Pretty much, it pretty much did. I mean, I'm not going to say I knew like, oh, Roman's going to feed talking points to this guy. He's going to say, no, I don't know the specific details, but the eventual outcome between the presidential election as well as what was going to happen to this family. I pretty much was anticipating throughout the first several minutes of this episode. It doesn't make it any less satisfying. I'm just saying, this is going to be one of the few times we're, talk, we're going to talk about an episode and I'm going like, well, I didn't see that one coming or something like that.
1: Yeah, it, it was, uh, I think the, the outcome of the election, uh, I think early on, I felt I knew where that was going, how the family ended up at the end of it, I think is, is what we weren't sure about. Um the, the degree of the cracks and fissures that develop in this episode uh is probably greater that than I anticipated it growing. But I mean if you look at the episode, it's number eight. We've only got two left. They have to start breaking them apart for the final battle. Uh and this makes as much sense. And, you know, I mean, obviously as a writer, you know. The election and the split in the country, it's all sort of the backdrop and the the theme of of their family. Uh, It's a parallel used to say, you know, America as played out in the Roy family. Uh, So it it was um, I, I think you know what I thought about this episode and I'm curious what you think this is probably as close to anything I've seen on TV, the way it moved around and people walked through halls and met this sort of re- was like maybe the most Sorkin West wing type episode of, of succession
0: that, oh, of succession. That, okay.
1: <laughs> that, that, that I, I have seen and, and not that it was similar in tone or dialogue, just sort of the pacing of it the the way there's it, and maybe it's just that it's an election and that would be similar, but uh but I it, it made me think of some of like the really fast paced deal with an issue in a day episodes of the West
0: Wing. Right. Um that's a that's a, a an interesting point you bring up there or a fascinating point because I, I kinda wanna build on that. I also want to make sure if you said something and I I I've already made a mistake in the podcast. I, I accidentally referred to it as the seventh episode. It is the eighth episode of the season. I think I said seventh episode of the season. So I apologies. Made a mistake. I meant to, I meant to say eighth. I, you know, oops. Um, the Sarkin comparison. It's funny you should say that now that, now that I'm thinking about it because obviously. First and foremost, when you think Aaron Sorkin in television, we think West Wing, and obviously you have plots that are all pretty much mostly based in the world of politics as well as relationships intermingled through, throughout there and how um, one kind of bounces off the other. And there are usually, in certain episodes, did deal with compressed time situations and, you know, a certain frenetic pace, a lot of walking, walking and talking and, and so on. It's also interesting to note that You also had another HBO series that was a Sorkin series, which was the newsroom, which took place, you know, on the, on the floor. Most of it took place on the floor of kind of a, a major media network channel, much like AT, like ATN would be. So it's kind of, it's kind of like the fusing of those two worlds. So I, obviously I don't, I haven't read anything about the episode or anything or any interviews or whatever, but it would not be any shock if at the very least the sorkin work on mainly west wing but also newsroom could have provided some inspiration for what jesse armstrong does with with this episode um as well as a number of other things that are filtered into it and let's face it it's it's a lot of it's also about real life kind of making its way in here um anyway it's a it's a it's one of those really strong episodes and i like that once again succession um, this season at least has pulled off an episode that dealt with kind of a high wire version of tension, which I'm not going to say that was never the case in the first three seasons that that would be wrong, but it feels like it's been more the case with each, you know, pardon the pun successive episode with this season, which, I mean, for me, that is the mark of a great final season because I can think of a, not just one, several shows that continue to up that, had great final seasons and they did that by having great escalating tension throughout their final seasons. I mean, not just the obvious ones like Breaking Bad, but that happened in The Shield. It happened in Justified. Um, there was another one I had in my head and I just forgot what it was. Doesn't matter, but you know what I'm saying. So, mm-hmm. so let's get to this one. It's a, as, as we know, it's election day and Tom is tense. Greg not so much. No. <laughs> <laughs> so as we know a lot a lot is riding on this election as well as how ATN performs rating wise. So Tom is getting tons of pressure from all sides, you know, and also based on how the previous episode ended, you know, Thinking it's unlikely he really got very much sleep, which is something they actually make a point of mentioning early on in the episode. (laughs) And you know, as as well as the fact that he's, you know, he's going to spend a long day and night in dress shoes. Probably not the wisest (laughs) move. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. You know, but unlike the night he had, I'm thinking Greg probably didn't get much sleep either, but instead it's because he spent the night out with all the Swedes and it sounds like a most unholy night (laughs) he spent with them. But what the, but the one thing of any note that's interesting here, as far as Greg is concerned, he apparently caught on to the fact that there is some sort of a business alliance going on between Shiv and Madsen. And, you know, he, while he might not know the specifics of what's going on between Tom and Shiv right now, he is suggesting that they fry her ass. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and I love that because when we see what happens later on between him and Shiv, which is a very rare moment between him and Shiv, I might add, um, it's especially both disturbing and satisfying, at least for the moment.
1: Yeah, I I really liked uh, the, the way we've talked before that they use just short sentences that evoke so much. And the one that I focused on. <laughs> Is the the things I wrote down the notes about Greg talking about his night was he, he talked about unseemly venues where he danced with an old man and, <laughs> and then he said
0: and and they made me drink things that aren't drinks that was I don't know which one of those I liked more I I, I didn't make note of them but they they, they seared themselves <laughs> into my brain yeah because I what I loved is about even with the use of of, of, of less words it was so evocative. Yeah. <laughs> I instantly was picturing both things. And the thing as far as the the quote that I really appreciated was at the culmination of all this, after he says what he says about the the, the little deal that's going on between Shiv and Matson and wanting to blow it up. I love Tom's comment about information. You know, mm-hmm. you store it, you hoard it. You save it for a special occasion, kind of like a, like a fine wine. And then, like a bottle of wine is what he's comparing it to. And then you smash somebody in the fucking face. With it. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I might have to put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> I really yeah. kind of enjoy that. Maybe the that final line will be on the back of the t-shirt. <laughs> now, there's all sorts of pressure from the rest of the family as well. And it's also interesting that um, something to note throughout the entire episode one of the core conflicts of the episode that we 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 occasionally have gotten but never to the extreme that we got with this episode um, is the conflict between Shiv and Roman. That was very interesting. It was interesting because it, it did two things. It was obviously about them. And you know how I've already said, we've been talking about how this is kind of throwing up a mirror to society and life, whatever. How reminiscent is it of how many arguments we've either had or decided to walk away from or that we've witnessed, whether it be on person or online or when we watch something where you, you just, you, the, the argument is going nowhere. It's like the, it's like, it's like beyond, it's like Tef it's like Teflon brick walls bouncing off each other. It, you know, because in this one, you know, th- everything is going on between them. They're disagreeing about the import or even credibility of evidence or voter suppression or intimidation. And it's it's interesting because Succession is a show where it's like, oh, which side do I pick? Sometimes, and for I know for probably many of our viewers, okay, it was clear who we're rooting for here, and and I was like, yeah, I guess so, but it makes me feel weird because I was feeling so much empathy for this other character just an episode or two ago, and then I I forget sometimes that sometimes the character that you can care about the most in one episode can be the most soulless vampire of a character the very next episode and that is the case i think with roman in this episode
1: oh yeah roman uh roman is close to realizing his goal oh yeah and he sees he sees in an ally minkin someone who could make him the king of atn and um uh, the 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 dynamic shift what i thought was uh, what i liked in this episode was the the positioning for the first time this season of kendall as sort of being the swing vote and right 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 you know like like uh, the natural inclination would think he would go whichever way would tank the deal but he he was patient and and had real trouble with it because of what happened in his personal life, and, and I think I think we've seen enough of him to know his personal politics, while he may be self-interested, uh, he likes to at least uh, pretend he's a deep enough man to not like the reactionary right politics of, of the Menkins of the world. Right. Um, so I, I really like the way he was sort of the fulcrum between Shiv and and Roman in this episode.
0: The other thing that's interesting to note with that is, as we've watched now, um, we're, we're eight episodes in on the season. And either you look at the, the starting point being from the very first episode or from the point after Logan passes after the end of the third episode. Um, every episode, it, it feels like someone's in the lead between the three about who's... who Who's in the lead to, you know, take the throne for themselves, even though that's not what they're saying amongst each other. Because you have Shiv and the deal that she's made with Madsen, and obviously a lot of that is about, because she's going to basically be screwing over her two brothers with the idea that but she'll be, she'll be put in that chair, even though she thinks that deal is going sour based on just, like I said in that other podcast a couple of weeks ago, um, the way he's been, what was it last week? The way he even addresses it when she brings it up is like, that's not a good sign. Not to mention, he may not be the best, uh, horse to be backing, so to speak, based yeah. on, you know, those, you know, those inflated Indian numbers and so on. Then we have Kendall, who's kind of, you know, supposedly, you know, on one, on one level, he's allied with all, b- both his sibling, his two siblings here, cause Connor's not part of this, obviously. Then on the next level, it's him and Roman, and they're kind of like, mm, you know, shrugging their shoulders about old, old Pinky over there. But on the next level, the one that we're that we get to see in other moments, um, he's operating on his own. He's you no, know, whether he's talking to Frank about eventually just taking it all for himself. Um, he 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 might love his family, but he's not, as he says, he's not in love with the idea of them being right by his side because I don't I don't think he takes Roman quite as seriously. Much like Logan didn't take. His son very seriously, either they're not they're not serious people. Shiv is an, an interesting story, but I just think he I think Kendall has feels at the, at the end of the day I, hey, I finally said it um, <laughs> he was always supposed to be the heir apparent. that was always supposed to be him, and it made sense because Connor wasn't part of this. He's the oldest son. he was the one most involved in the business all, all this time it it made sense. We saw that in the very first episode, that was what was the expectation was. So I think it's more about that for him. So, and it's fun. Like I said, they're jockeying for positions, but this is the first episode where it's like, Oh, who's coming up from the, from the far corner and blowing him now. Oh my gosh. I think he's blowing by both. And Roman kind of comes out of nowhere. And you see by the actions Roman does, by the way he speaks and what he does throughout this episode. Um, we had already seen that Kendall can be up to things that aren't so great. And let's face it, what Shiv is doing in the first place isn't so great either. You know, at least as far as her familial relationships are concerned, not to mention her marital relationship, quite frankly. Um, <laughs> but Ro- Roman has to be the most, you know, craven person possible, you know, to to move up. And then it becomes a question, even as it said throughout later in the episode, are these the, would their father have done this or not and it's an interesting debate because on one end i kind of want to say yeah if 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 logan has a man in the white house regardless of whatever their politics are that that's all that mat- that would matter to him because he's not going to the, the issues of the day are not that uh someone on say i guess he's supposed to be something of a right-wing extremist um there's a lot of you know they throw out nazi references here and there you know possible dictator tyrannical narcissist i don't know what don't know who they could be you know (laughs) referencing on that one um it's like what but he was such a nice d.a back in the 30s but um but those type of candidates don't usually do things that go against the very rich, you know, unless, unless they're maybe they're pharmaceutical companies or something. Um, I I hate to say it, but I, well, I don't really hate to say. It, I don't really care. Um, I think that is kind of what Logan would end up doing. At the, I think in the long run, see, I tried not to the end of the day on that one. I think Roman is fulfilling his father's kind of legacy. And even, even if his father didn't really care for what's his name, if having that man there means he, he's going to have, a, you know, a, a thumb in, in the White House for control and also get, get what he wants, which is, you know, to, to crush this deal and then also to be elevated where he can actually move into that top spot. It is kind of a Logan thing. I think I really think it is.
1: Yeah, I wondered about that, and I thought a lot about it. And my final calculation was, I mean, the the one thing Logan cared about most was just pure power and what could give them more power than to be connected and have a direct line to the White House. And, um, you know, the unsavoriness, if you think about it. Roman is a natural, at least that the one thing Roman does and is done throughout the show, um, when there's somebody that's kind of repulsive to deal with, you know, he's sort of the guy that they send to deal with people and, you know, Matson had not, we find out later, you know, at Madsen, Madsen tweets a Nazi ne meme. who originally does Logan take to meet Matson? He takes Roman. Right. Like, who, who's the guy to kind of go meet these scummy, powerful people who aren't that savory? It's always sort of been Romans. That, that That's sort of his job.
0: Right, right. Makes sense. So, um, getting back to the course of the episode and also, you know, since Shiv... And Roman are clearly, we know what camps they're in from, from the get go. So you have Ken kind of in, on, in, in the middle, as you were saying, and exemplifying that and why, one of the main reasons why he'd be in the middle is because he gets that call from Rava, his ex-wife, who is, you know, sitting there w- with their daughter. Um, and who's clearly panicked and nervous because they're being followed by an SUV, um, which actually turns out to be a, a car that was hired by Kendall himself to keep them safe and keep an eye on them. Um, not really helping though. <laughs> it's, and they're, they're getting, they're getting increasingly nervous. By the way, the, 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 the error I made, slight error I made in the previous podcast, I'm going to now will be the time to correct it. Um, something was said in the previous episode that someone had uh, violently bumped or pushed into his daughter and they were wearing a ravenwood t-shirt and i think i misidentified it on the podcast as being a shirt connected to a political candidate and that is i believe that's incorrect I believe if it's a Ravenwood t-shirt, that's actually the ATN guy, the talking head guy, the guy who actually goes on that extended spiel at the end of this episode. So think of it like a a Tucker Carlson t-shirt or a Sean Hannity t-shirt, someone of that ilk, who's the the guy is clearly supposed to be modeled after. Um, So... My bad. I don't know. I don't know why I kind of had a brain freeze. Cause I, I know, I knew the name of the political candidates. I knew none of them was Ravenwood, but for some reason I said political. I should have said political commentator, not political candidate, but I made a mistake. I just want to own up to it. Cause that's what real people do. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm the only guy who takes things back on Twitter. No one else ever seems so. <laughs> to. So anyway, I like that, you know, after that, Ken then calls Nate, who then, and he has to speak to Jimenez. He has that little brief conversation with Jimenez. The thing with Ken though, if, if Shiv calls somebody, they realize who it is and they want to, and they want to talk to her. If Roman calls somebody, he usually has a way of finessing it and they want to, talk. it's so clear that no one really wants to talk to Ken that they, that they have a bare tolerance for him. And I wonder if a lot of that stems from what we've seen over the previous season or two where Kendall has made not just a public spectacle of himself; he's kind of made a public laughing stock of himself a number of times. And even that most recent um, presentation, the Living Plus one, which ended up working out, but you know, taking clips out of context as people are, as people are wont to do in this day and age, parts of it are kind of, as we all remember, were pretty cringy. Oh know? yeah, we, which is part of Kendall's kind of bread at this point when it comes to these things. Well,
1: if there's one thing a politician doesn't like, that's a wild card. Right. Um, And Ken is definitely a wild card. Uh, Right. Now, now I will give Ken credit that he is able to say things and convey uh, a seemingly genuineness that that I, I don't know that anyone trusts. Uh, but in a moment, he can muster up the right words to sort of play both sides. Right. Uh, and, and he he does that better than Shiv or Roman. And he does that with Jimenez uh, fairly well. But but it still comes across like he's not the powerful one in the conversation. He He's sort of he's sort of going hand in hat to Jimenez. Uh, whereas. You know, Roman, I think, and Mencken, and their conversation is
0: more sort of two partners. Right. Because it's right around this point, Roman is summoned to see Mencken, Mencken, excuse me. And, you know, well, you know, putting aside Mencken's disappointment over Connor not bowing out, yeah. and the fact that at least at this point in the episode, ATN is not going full bore on, like, you know, all these supposed dubious voting fraud allegations or whatever. His focus right here is, you know, If they should lose, and that's in quotation marks, if you can imagine, it's about controlling the narrative. And I think we can kind of guess what that means. We're talking, and and my, and obviously my, I shouldn't say obviously, but my estimation of it was, okay, it's not simply about how we're going to be painting him. It's even if you lose, paint it like you win. You right know, you because know, and we've been there before just a couple years ago you know because we I, and at this point in, in the episode i'm already thinking are we going to be going to impugning results is that where we're going with this episode because something's got to be in at this point in the episode I'm going, something's going to have to be in question There's going to have to be some big i'm just trying to and it can't be something that's exactly what's already happened because that would be kind of weird so I, I get wondering what were the writers or Jesse Armstrong gonna, and his staff going to come up with that could be the questionable thing, and then we zoom, we eventually discover it's going to be that you know a little fire in Wisconsin because you know you know probably a friend of ours you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly like I'm not working this KFC anymore <laughs> anyway it was next door they didn't say, we all. <laughs> we also oh, I, I love that i wrote this note um a few of our listeners will appreciate this that i know i wrote that tom demotes greg back down to boy greg <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is my reference to uh back in the old days of howard stern when when the producer gary delvato was referred to as boy gary because he was the one who had to go run run the errands and get the coffee and stuff like that <laughs> but, <laughs> but they do coke together which is you know what and and you in case you need it for this for this podcast, Brian. You know, if you're getting if you're, if you're a little tired, a little wired, you know, a little Coke will help you. Out.
1: <laughs> I, I'm I'm way past my Coke years. Uh,
0: I never even got the chance to start. I'm so pure, I like Coke. Anyway, Connor <laughs> was really not happy that ATN hasn't bothered airing any tape on him. <laughs> Um, He's actually facing reality, you know. I don't. Know, I thought of you because they were talking about Kentucky. Yeah. If anyone, <laughs> and, if he could win anywhere, it'd be
1: in Kentucky.
0: And I love the fact his. I think uh Willis was like fuck Kentucky, and he was like, no, 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 yeah. it's alas Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, was it was in the running for the introduction for this podcast because of you, <laughs> and I, I just like, and I actually kind of forgot. So, <laughs> Mm-hmm. There is
1: a, there is a line I want to go back to before we move on Absolutely, in the Tom and, and Greg thing. Uh, uh-huh. uh, one of my, you know, if we nominated, if we sort of had an Academy awards of lines each week, <laughs> one of the, one of my nominations for, it's like, no, I want you Gregging for me tonight that, that like the act of being a Greg became a verb to Tom. So, the, Oh
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, they've 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 done stuff with that name before. Yeah, I all the, love all, it. All the, when they were on the, I think it was in the the in the Connor's wedding episode on the tarmac with all the different yes. versions of Greg. <laughs> yeah, I want you Gregging for me tonight. I, I love it, Greglets. So now we get to the point in the episode where things start going wrong, both at the network and also you know out there in 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 the country or in or in Wisconsin, because you have a few things that are going on. First, you have this kind of this touch screen malfunction madness, which is driving everyone crazy and they're going off their nut about it. And it seems kind of almost like a, well, it is a joke essentially that we're, as we're watching it. And then you start to think about, you know, those of us who either watch, you know, on election night, some of us might watch CNN, some of us might watch, um, MSNBC or, 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 or some of us might even watch Fox, but, The big boards are always a big thing. I mean, mean, the guy on MSNBC has become a whole cottage industry unto himself. John King has done it for years on CNN. You know, that's the one thing, because everything kind of flows around and is based on that. They're always throwing to that. So if that goes wrong, that isn't working, that can really stymie your entire night. And, you know, especially, when you have multiple major news networks and this is like one of their hugest rating nights of all their people are going to go somewhere else you know and that's when you're trying to hold and which is you know everyone's concerned at the beginning of the night is you know not just about the results of the election but also the ratings for the network to show that they're still you know a viable monster you know so you have all this insanity going on and then that's when we i think it's at this point in the episode we start hearing about this fire in Milwaukee and whether or not it's news, I mean, it becomes a debate, and you know then we start hearing things about how it's likely destroyed thousands of votes, and then there's these conflicting reports of who's responsible. And let's face it, it's the likely perpetrators and the likely scapegoats, depending on which side of the aisle you fall on. And um, and and it's interesting because as this starts to go on, those of us who are familiar with the um, what goes on at Fox, at CNN, and I guess MSNBC as well, whatever. We're always very conscious of, Oh, whenever like a major news story or, or, media, we will flick back and forth just out of curiosity to see who's covering it and who isn't, who's minimizing it or even mentioning it at all. And something like this, there are, they are so spot on about how they talk about it. And I would say. From what I've seen in the past, and and different things that have happened, and I'm thinking of the 2020 election specifically. Um, oh, they'd be covering it. It's the angle they would be taking. So right. when, when, so when folks, including Roman, several times keep throwing out the word Antifa, I was like, oh yeah, that's where they would be going on. Fa- I mean, excuse me, ATN, whatever, right? You know, as opposed to the more likely uh, suspects in this, especially when. Um, they have this one character who's on this show. I I don't do I have his name. Is his name Darwin? I think yes. The Darwin. pole, the pole monster. Yeah, the Darwin. Pole. Right. Um, because he's like that dude. Um, much, I guess, much like a John King or or that guy from um, Cornaki. Steve McCormacki. Thank you. I always forget what his name is. Um he's kind of the expert in the field. He's the one, he's the one who tries to give them all kind of like a pep talk and a lecture at the beginning. Although we don't really get to hear much of it. Cause once again, I think it's, it's the Tom and Greg show commenting and everything. Yeah. It seems to happen every other episode. We get the two of them, you know, doing that. Um, but I love having them being so spot on by having that character there. Cause like, okay, he's supposed to be the heir of r- rationality here. And it's interesting. And those of us who've watched enough tv when we first spot him oh wait even though i didn't write down his name um we've seen that actor several times he's a significant actor we've seen a number of times you know breaking bad for one you know among, among many other things i always recognize whenever i spot his ears i'm like oh it's that guy uh, <laughs> <laughs> so so you know what the point i'm just bringing up when i saw him early on in the episode that was another, like, red flag for me going, okay, there's going to be a big thing. It's going to be a big controversy because you don't go and get that actor for that part just for this little thing. There's got to be something that's going to happen later. I had no idea it would be used in such a bizarre, hilarious way later on, which was might be one of the most bizarre moments in the history of the show, quite frankly. But, um, you know, <laughs> kudos to everyone for that one.
1: But, but I like how they, they portray his character as having, you know, moral guardrails and guideposts uh, that even in an organization like that, like they want good information to decide what to do with, not to necessarily report it straight, but he's the guy they go to, to give them real information. Um, And he seems ethically Uh, concerned about not hurting his reputation by just bending things
0: in the way they want. Right. Right. Especially because, you know, if things are bent one way and then they turn out a different way, the, the blowback can be pretty severe and you kind of don't want that to happen. So you have all this warring going on over Milwaukee, um, you know, especially, and it, be, and it starts to become between, you know, the Roman versus Shiv thing. Um, Roman likes to throw out the phrase false flag quite a bit in this episode, yeah. I noticed, which I can, you can see how it's almost like a triggering thing for Shiv because it's so maddening because you can't even have a conversation, you can't even have a rational conversation with Roman, by the way, he's acting, which, by the way, not unusual for Roman. I mean, maybe not usually in the area of politics, but just in general. No, this is, this is pure. This is Roman 101 as far as I'm concerned. It's just maybe we find it more distasteful because of basically he doesn't care about the impact on people or society, whatever. Shiv, at least to some extent does. Remember Shiv before she got involved in the family business here was essentially, you know, the, the one person in the family who was like, uh, she was a like democratic operative, you know, that that's, that was side of the eye that she was working, not, you know, and she was always aghast by ATN and embarrassed by it and didn't really had to disconnect herself and her family and from her family name. if that, if I recall the earlier seasons of, of the show.
1: Yeah. She, uh, she dove back in and, and this kind of stuff in particular is what she did not like about her father's politics. And, uh, you know, I think that part of her dad, as we've sort of talked about, each of them are sort of embodying a part of him without being all of him. Um, but Roman is really, really firing on all cylinders. And, and the worst of their dad, I think, is is triggering her throughout the episode.
0: Roman is so much the the, the more forceful, uh, propulsive figure in this episode of of the three of them. Because, Ken, you know, like as we've said, Kendall's kind of caught in the middle, trying to trying to kind of. He's I wouldn't say he's being wishy washy exactly, but maybe he's he's the only one who appears to even remotely be on the horns of any kind of a moral conflict. Right, and that's I mean, and I think that's largely it's largely because of his family. What happened with his daughter, um, he as you were saying earlier, he might like to think of it's also because he likes to think of himself as not being, you know, affiliated with the the right wing reactionary side of things. But, you know, he's Mm -hmm. very, he, Kendall can be as pragmatic as, as, as the worst of (laughs) them or best of them. So not about Mm -hmm. that. Um, but Shiv is kind of flailing a lot in this episode, you know, even, even her few moments that where she asserts anything, don't really add up to much. Like, even like the moment with Greg, well, that, that, that really didn't work for more than like, that didn't really scare him for more than 10 minutes. You know, apparently. So she has a scene, which I wanted to get to now. And then we can, whatever. Cause it's, I think it's one of the most important scenes in the episode. Once again, because it brings it back to the Shiv and Tom situation. Cause she finally grabs and takes Tom aside and she attempts to apologize for their fight the previous night. However, the conversation quickly goes bad. And then we get the thing that I, that we were waiting for that. She drops the bomb about being pregnant and, 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 with that knowledge and how especially hurtful what he had said the night before was about, she would not, she should not be a mother. And if there was any way of these two ever, these two kids ever getting back, I think that shot is lost for good when Tom expresses skepticism, shall we say. He questions whether what she's saying is true or not, or is this just another kind of strategy or tactic or, you know, some, some way to get around things, some way to manipulate him or something. Yeah, that was, um, yeah, they're, 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 if if they weren't done in that previous episode, and I think they were, this kind of like cemented it. There's, I don't think there's any way back from this now. I, I think if there's sort
1: of a theme of this episode, it's doors closing for Shiv. Yeah, um, like with the brothers, with Tom, and the only the only escape hatch she has is Matson at, at the end. And you, you know, with Tom, and I mean, he also said, I mean, if you really want to end a relationship, ac- accuse your wife of killing her dad. Uh, he also says you sort of killed your dad, and you know, I'm not sure that, that you're telling me the truth about being pregnant. Like, he sort of knocks it out of the park for getting one up emotionally on her and really, really
0: landing the final blow. Yeah, it's that if this was an episode where at least in terms of positioning or where they are, how they feel about themselves. Roman is certainly on the rise in this episode, but Shiv, this is pretty much about as low point I can, as I can remember for her um, outside of maybe the end of the previous season overall, because it feels like with, with the things that are end up being exposed and the things that go against her, and the decisions, the unfortunate and, and I guess wrong when it comes down to it, decisions she makes even in this episode and what that leads to as far as, and that's what Ken, that's what Kendall ends up, um, using as his motivation or as his excuse for, for the decision that he ends up making. Um, just give me a second because I was scrolling around. I kind of lost my place in my notes. I gotta make sure. I well,
1: know. while you're doing that, I'll just say that the, The thing I found curious watching this was with Shiv both tells the truth and lies Mm. and 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 nobody believes her either way. Like she tells Tom the truth and he doesn't believe her. She tells Kendall a lie. He he wants to believe her but verify her and finds out she lies. Like nothing she says works. This episode. Yeah, it's a it's
0: a she's desperate. It's it's not a good episode for her. No. So I I think it's around this time, it's during this their disagreement. And and again, a lot of the disagreement at this point in the episode is about um Wisconsin and 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 worrying about whether they should call it or not, or or how it could impact the election, um, you know, or the results. Now I now I may have this in the wrong order. I apologize if I get this wrong. Is it here now we, we know about the incident with the wasabi. <laughs> the incident with Roman and the talking points for the person on air is that before that or after it? It's before it. It is before it. Okay, I thought I was worried. I because I my my notes might have gotten jumbled, so I, I just want to make sure. I because I, I don't want to make any more mistakes. So th- it is the point where Roman gets one of those ATN commentators dudes. It's Ravenwood, hence, you know, the mistake I referenced before. Um, he has – the guy starts going off on the Democrats, not just accusing them of the f- actual firebombing, but a litany of other really biased takes, whatever. And we also realize that these are all be- apparently being taken from talking points that have been quickly pumped out by Roan himself, which – should be the reminder of just what kind of a person Roman really is. He's he's actually scripting this guy for him, whatever. So that, kind of is, is setting people off. Shiv, while all this is happening, she even gets a, another call from Matson, who's already become kind of a nervous Nelly, even though he's already thinking he's, he doesn't want to expose um, his uh, false Indian numbers either. He thinks maybe he can get away with it. Don't know if he thinks that now. Who knows? Um, and it's around here where Shiv has that weird and rare interaction with Greg. Um, after I don't want to say she offers himself to him. <laughs> just kind of, she, she goes out of her way to make him as uncomfortable as possible and then threatens him into silence because she's aware now that somehow he knows about her double agent, you know, double crossing with and against the, against the family. You know, you don't go against the family. I kept I, I wanting Greg to say that just to be, be like a real dork. Oh, well, you don't go against the family shit. <laughs> <laughs> And it's around at this point in the episode, now, as we're getting to the nitty-gritty, Roman reports to Kendall that Menken has promised that he will block the Gojo deal, absolutely, in exchange for ATN support this evening. They are really hitting it that, you know, that ATN can have that much of an influence here. Um, whether that's true or not, if this was real life, and if this was, like, say, Fox News, is debatable— but in the world of succession, that, that it it does seem to have validity, and and thus we go along with it.
1: Well, I think back to George Bush getting the call in two thousand, and part of him not wanting to back down in the intervening constitutional crisis was, you know, that that his claim appeared to have legitimacy. Because a a news agency had said he was the winner. And um, and I, I liked I mean, I liked the way they there was the specific conversation of talking about all the other fringe media would say he won. But none of that mattered till they said it. Right. That when they said it, it would give
0: him. Like his foothold to claim he won, right? Because those fringe ones—I mean—they they are just analogous to a couple of things that exist today, um, right? I'm—I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm I'm glad I'm actually forgetting what they're called, like Newsmax or OAN. There you go. See, see, I don't. Since I don't watch them the way you do, so i, I wouldn't remember them. I, I'm just aware of them. <laughs> right. Of course. Get that robe off. Anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> it's from Kentucky. Who knows? So. <laughs> It's around this point, the fellow we were talking about before, Darwin Perry, that's his name, Darwin, great, that's great name, ATN poll analyst, Darwin Perry. So he's warning them, because they're really, because at this point, Roman is really pushing for calling the vote in Wisconsin, and he warns Roman, he warns Tom, who's just going to go along with whatever, you know, the big boys above him say, that you know, this can really lose credibility for the network. And if, you know, you're a news network that loses credibility, then what are you? You're one of those two other things you just mentioned, actually. (laughs) So I love this idea that they suggest that, well, I think it's Tom who comes up with the idea. Well, why don't we say it's a pending call? (laughs) Pending. (laughs) For Mencken. And Darwin can go on the air and kind of explain what's really happening here. That way that way they don't lose credibility. They give you an idea what the, what the situation is. All sides are covered to a certain extent. And it seems like, oh, this is the way they're going to go. Maybe they've actually come up with a somewhat reasonable way to deal with things. Except one weird thing happens. Um it was at Bodega you know what it was at Bodega Sushi, wasn't it? it was yep, at,
1: it okay. it was the Yeah, it was Chekhov's bodega sushi. <laughs> and,
0: and by the way, um, as anyone in I'm sure it applies to other cities and towns as well. You get sushi from a sushi place. You don't you don't get it from a gas station. You don't get it. And you know what? You don't even get, you shouldn't even get sushi from the supermarket. And they even have a sushi guy there. I've, I've watched them. It's like, yeah, you just couldn't get a job at a real place. No, you don't, you don't get it. So <laughs> somehow Darwin's at the table. Sushi is there. I don't even know if he, if he was eating it or not, or just, or something just goes horribly wrong. And he gets wasabi in his eyes. And they're burning and they're trying to flush it out with water. You know, they're saying flush out with water and for some reason Greg insists that using LaCroix lemon water yeah. will do it. Which, by the way, makes it worse. <laughs> it's the most bizarre slapsticky moment that I can recall on this show. I I I I I I was laughing out loud. I loved it so much.
1: I, I did too. And, and I like the touch of where he takes a drink of
0: it before he says, yeah, it's, only <laughs> it's only a little lemony. <laughs> so brilliant. Oh, they, the, I, I want to see the outtakes from that sequence. So, <laughs> because you know, they have to have been laughing their asses off during it. Oh yeah. So at, at this point, it's also, it's Tom basically is green lighting ATN to officially call Wisconsin for Mencken. Um, and also, we'd almost forgotten about him. <laughs> it's so stupid. So Connor shows up. And remember, this is fairly late. I mean, we're, I'm guessing this is at least 11, 1130. You know, maybe it's closer to midnight. I'm not even sure at this point. <laughs> he shows up there and he, to, to concede the race and and offer himself, you know, to, you know that he'll he's going to support Mencken, even though well, it's what difference does that really make right now? And he's doing all this in order to get, like, thinking he'll get an ambassadorship to Slovenia? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> and then he just goes off on the, they, they keep showing his speech, and you realize, oh, that's right, he's kind of, he's kind of like this weird libertarian, sort of, but kind of kooky, and he, it, it's one of those, it's not so bad, and then it starts to get bad. <laughs> you keep oh. thinking someone needs to cut him off. it's it's so beautiful like <laughs> you couldn't stop watching it. it it's it was almost
1: like you know albert finney and network if he was a moron like his rant you know the con heads are coming and I, and i love that there's the one like sort of cut in this episode to frank carl and hugo and oh, they yeah. and they and they say was connor running, running? for president oh, yeah. and they
0: all oh. laugh like <laughs> that was amazing right (laughs) i forgot about that that was pretty funny so at this point um election wise you know i think jimenez had gotten another state it was michigan or something um it sounds like they're pretty much at they're both at 262 there's only a couple states left to be called and guess what um based on what the two states are remaining kind of already know where this is gonna go alaska and arizona pretty sure you know where they're going to fall. So again, Darwin is foreseeing, you know, he's going to take Arizona, which would mean a win, but he doesn't really want to call the election because, you know, Wisconsin, still kind of uncertain. So it's around this point Kendall, you know he's he's showing that he's on that he's on the fence here that he's he's, he's troubled by what's going on and where they're going with all this. Um, he even references um, the issues going on with his family. Um, Roman, however, really isn't hearing much of it. He's he just truly does not care. You know he. He kind of reminds me of some people that I know, a few people I know, who minimized a certain presidential election when someone won back in 2016. It's like, oh, it won't really impact things that much. It's figurehead, whatever, because there are, there are levers and controls in place that'll stop. It's like, yeah, yeah. You, you forgot about that Supreme Court thing, didn't you? And, uh, <laughs> and you forgot about how horrible, you know, somebody at that human beings can actually be right um roman is actually not making a secret of the fact he doesn't really care but um this is all about his own self-interest anyway as as we've known you know throughout the entire episode yeah roman
1: is hard charging because he sees victory inside and basically basically knows that that the deal gets killed he's going to be close to mencken And, you know, pretty much says something to the effect of, you know, he views people much the way Logan did, that they're, you know, they don't really matter. The normal people don't matter. Right, right.
0: Just look at the way he speaks to people that, you know, that are even closer to his level, you know, know, of power or money or whatever. You know, imagine how he feels about, you know, the, the unwashed masses, so to speak. So, Kendall, then, at some point, then, he's conveying, you know, his concerns and his feelings about all this to Shiv. He's actually talking about how he views himself as a father. Kind of going back to the not wanting to be the Logan, you know, or he, because he is, at this point, he's the only one who has children, you know, until (sighs) until she pops out, whatever's festering inside her. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If that even should happen. Um and she does, she does play upon that. You know, it, she does see that there, unlike her other brother, there is some, there, there is a, at least a strand of moral fiber to be found in Kendall. So she's trying to sway him away from Mencken because Mencken ha- has pledged whatever that, you know, he'll make the deal, whatever. So, and that's when Kendall wants Shiv to call Nate to find out if Jimenez, would also be willing to, you know, put the brakes on the Gojo sale, which of course is not what Shiv wants. So Shiv leaves the room, and then we realize she's just pretending to make the call. And then later on, when she's talking with both Roman and Kendall, again, people it's very, I like the fact it's very real, that because people are, don't lie as easily or as well as you might want them to. The way she kind of gives very vague answers and fumfers around when they're asking her about, you know, where Jimenez stands on everything, it's pretty obvious what's going on here. Um, so that's what leads to Kendall wanting to call himself. And when she starts, t- you know, saying, no, you don't need to do it. You're like, OK, this is this is the episode where everything f- falls down around Shiv. Because there's there's no way around this right now.
1: Yeah. And I, I like to just go back a second to a line Kendall says to recognize some of the writing is when he says, like, I don't think I'm a very good father. Maybe the poison drips through. Right. And, uh, you know, his concern that maybe if he goes with Mencken, he's too much of his dad that he doesn't care about his kids. And, but he also tells her, you know, of his naked ambition that he kind of wants to run the stuff himself.
0: He wants to do it alone. He he does do that. He does own at least to a certain extent. He does own up to his own, you know, I'm calling them his shortcomings about his power longings. So, to speak. right. Well, I
1: think he's honest with her to see, to say like, I want to know if I can do this. Like I need to try it myself. Uh, and I think that's what makes the betrayal so bitter is that he revealed something, you know, very deep that he'd hidden from her and he knows she hid something from him. I think he has a sense that her working with Madsen, she was a little closer to Madsen than she let on but i don't think he had any idea that she would tank everything
0: for Matson, right until you know he tries to make he, he clearly calls the campaign and finds out no such call ever happened yeah we're watching all this happen almost mime style like outside the room because as he walks past you know we see through a glass and we see him talking to greg and looking in and i realize yeah, I think we know who, who Greg is hitching his wagon to right now, you know, threat or no threat. And at that point, when, when Kendall returns, yeah, he's going, the boys are going against Shiv here, you know, let's call it, because it, it's exactly what you said. It, 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 the betrayal is to, think of people are always going to react harshly to betrayal. Think of how she's been about Tom from from the get-go, or how they, the others treated him as, as well, but more her than anyone else, and it doesn't matter that she tries to show you know all, all the reasons to not do this because of what Menken represents and the kind of you know monster he may actually turn out to be. Uh, it's it, it's too late now, and there's an interesting moment here that I kind of forgot about that. Again, it's like messages are conveyed to people to, to convey to people. It's, it's just weird. No one just goes right to someone. Someone, someone. They always have to pass the buck to someone else to do something, and somehow it falls on Greg to pass the to, to pass the message. And there's a there's a character that we see every once in a while. Her name is Jess. Yeah, and she. I think she's like the last possible bulwark or obstacle because she's like, well, do you really want – she kind of th- doesn't think he should do it. But they've been grooming Greg to do things that no one – you were saying that about Roman, how he deals with the unsavory people. Greg is the one who gets the unsavory jobs. He's oh, the- yeah. He's the one who fires people. And he doesn't mind doing it. He's the one who this- – when this day started, like, everyone is – I mean, Tom's under the most pressure – but so was everybody else. Shiv, Roman, Kendall, they were all starting They, you know, on the edge for number. Greg's the only one who felt great. Maybe from all those liquids that aren't meant for drinking yeah. <laughs> the, the night before. Who knows? So it is Greg who passes the order from Tom to the newsroom to call the election for Mencken. And that's what happens. They make the announcement. I lo- the th- I'll i give, I'll, the one thing I didn't foresee, um, they make reference to it in these, in the last few minutes of the episode. Uh, I guess, um, oh, PG, uh, PGN, the, the opposing network, kind of like the CNN to Fox here. Um, they begin kind of, l- <laughs> their news reports are basically are pity or blaming Tom for prematurely calling the phone. So I was like, "Well, people are gonna know your name now." You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which is, exactly. Which I have to admit, I did not anticipate that happening. <laughs> and I kept coming. "Oh yeah, it's, you know." You start thinking like, "Oh, you, you do hear the name." We always remember the names of, of the major news directors from the different places, like like Fox, like one you know, of the Roger Ailes days, and, and people like that.
1: I like though when they they're in the newsroom and they're in the control room that when they make the call to the people behind the scenes, everyone seems nervous. None of them seem excited. It's, it's, it's not like that team is super pumped that they're going to make this call. Uh, everyone seems nervous about it. And, uh, and I like that. And then, you know, almost immediately they have Tom queued up to say, you know, the inside sources say the person that made the call was, you know the head of ATN, Tom Womskam. So you see, you see his picture, and oh, yeah,
0: uh, I love that. We and we get, we get that, we get the we see some of the um, I guess we'll call it the acceptance speech, um, from uh, Mencken, which again, some eerie echoes of things that we've seen before, um, both the, the fact that some of his initial language is a little less presidential than you'd expect it to be for a candidate. Um, but <laughs> about being awesome. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, oh, and although he doesn't paint, you know, the most horrible picture of, of the country, as I recall other, uh, political can winners doing, um, when you start to listen to the words he uses and trying to try to reframe the the conversation about himself you kind of realize oh this this is a bad guy (laughs) oh yeah this is a bad guy
1: yeah only i can help you make america great again i mean that's he he's basically saying we need to return to a better time
0: and it's interesting because if i recall when the previous person who was in the oval office when logan referred to him they they kind of referred to him kind of like like he was like an old boob or something like that. Yeah. That, that they, you know, who just, and they would actually could call and yell at to, to make sure they got what they wanted. Um, this is a much different beast. It's going to be, be in that cage though, or maybe in that office, I should say rather. So I, I guess, you know, the fallout, you know, as we, as the, as the episode winds down, I mean, Shiv has like another conversation with Matt and promising to try to fix things. Mm and we'll see how that goes. And does it end with Kendall? I think it ends with
1: Kendall. It does. It does. And we discover, as we've talked about, like, when's this funeral
0: going to happen? Oh, yeah. He says, I'll see you tomorrow at the funeral home. So penultimate episode will be the the funeral episode. And yeah, and the episode ends with him. Yeah, right. He calls calls Rava. He tries to. Asked to see his children who are probably long asleep, and she's like, No. And you can see he's he's troubled by the decisions that he's made. And is he troubled simply because he he knows he's he, I think he even references in the episode that you know Roman's close affiliation with Manchin, this is problematic for him, um, but also is he also troubled by. Wow, is this what i've become how i become my father to a certain extent by making these decisions look at my what's happened to my family look what's happened look at my relationship with my other you know my siblings or whatever which is maybe permanently fractured i did watch that ad for the next episode i'm a little worried about roman (laughs) i'm very worried about roman (laughs) because i think he's a little um I don't think he's out of control, but uh, I'm. Let me put it this way: I'm not saying anyone's going to die on this show. Probably not. But at the beginning of the season, if you'd ask me, hey, who's the most likely Roy other than Logan that might, you know, something horrible might happen to, might end up taking their own life? I would. Oh, of course, it's Kendall. Who else? I'm not so sure anymore. Cause Roman's kind of scaring me right now. <laughs> and remember, all this is happening. Dude is still not, as far as we've seen, really dealt with what's gone on. He's still, he's still, trauma is still has impacted him and him deciding to kind of chameleon like become, you know, like the worst part of his father in this episode. I don't think that's the best solution for him. I, I, I just feel like this is, he's got, he, Shiv hits her wall in this episode, perhaps. I don't know if, if if it'll get worse for it. It might. Kendall's gone through so much crap already. Who knows with him? I got a bad feeling for Roman. That's all I'm saying.
1: I like that framing that as we're down to the last couple episodes, that if Shiv hit the wall this episode, that next episode is probably Roman flaming out with the funeral speech. And the grief and being overcome in that moment that he's pushed down and just sort of tried to propel himself forward, firing people and being all this. He's never really stopped to deal with with the grief and the anger about his dad's death, that if he flames out there, boy, that leaves a really interesting it'll be it'll be very curious to see where episode nine ends and what we have to look forward to in episode 10
0: there is a tradition with penultimate episodes sometimes even surpass final episodes so and with the season the way they've been going with this one i mean who knows could it be the Rosamandias? which wasn't a penultimate episode but you know what i
1: mean Um, oh yeah yeah well and, and, and another thing i think we have to look forward to is as the show is coming to an end you know we talked about this being like maybe the the funeral for the roy family it's also a chance for the show to, to get its memorial and we'll probably see all the characters
0: of the show at the funeral. Oh yeah. It'll be like that Seinfeld episode. No, gonna... no, yeah. not like that. <laughs> Do we think we're going to have any, uh, created for the episode flashback moments where we, we will see Logan again.
1: You know, I wondered that, uh, I, 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 I think, I think, there will be if i I, if what you're saying is correct i think what there will be will either be roman will have a memory of his dad uh in this episode or if that doesn't happen i think at the in the last episode there will be a family memory that, that they all
0: have i think a hallucination is going to happen and it might be
1: roman He might see him at the funeral, like standing in the back or something.
0: I think he's going to be at the funeral. He may see him at the funeral. He may may sit up in his fucking casket at the funeral and have a conversation with him. I just think Logan, i.e. Brian Cox. Brian Cox is going to be playing a part in this episode. Now, do I think that because I remember hearing, you know, Several, uh, a few months ago that they were filming a funeral in New York, and one of the people that was walking on the set was Brian Cox. Well, that's probably one reason. So, <laughs> you know, unless he's, he was there just to get in the coffin. I don't know, but I keep thinking, you've got out, you've got the heaviest hitter of all time still, and you can still uh, go there. And this is a show that I wouldn't put it past him to do something crazy. Because even the shows that don't operate that way, will occasionally go there that, and you know so why wouldn't they you know someone just has to do a drug that's all that's involved. yeah so yeah i i do think he will play a part and i think it'll be something to look forward to i'm very excited to see it well the the last question
1: i have then you ask me a question uh if you were a bookmaker what would you make the odds are that shiv's baby's name is logan oh jesus
0: No, 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 no! I can't. Shoot. I'm gonna
1: say no. I, I want to say no too, but I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna say no. Let's see if she even has. No, well, it's only two episodes left. It would be it might be too dark if they if she ends up losing the kid. So I'm guessing she will have the kid. Um, interesting. but would they name the kid? Don't know. Rupert. Anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> let us, um, and let's, let's quickly uh, shift over to that other HBO series that we like to talk about here, although not for as great a length, um, because it's, you know, half the length of a succession episode or less, that would be the latest episode of Barry. And this episode was the wizard, by the way, I, w- I, I might not have been paying close enough attention. My bad, The title, "The Wizard," is that is that referencing? Does someone reference the way that Henry Winkler looks at some point in this episode (laughs) as looking like a wizard, or did I miss it somewhere? Uh, A reference somewhere else?
1: They do, they do. I think somebody says calls him maybe Gandalf or or something. I think there's something said about it, but I think also like the Black Sabbath song
0: "The Wizard" plays in it too. (laughs) Like Jesus. Okay. All right. I. I I, watch, I I watched it while I was working the other day, so <laughs> I tried to pay attention. It's, it's not a background show, not a background show, so I had, no. to, I had to keep pausing and watching. Okay, so I, I'll look at the, I look at the episode this way. When we talked about the previous one, that was Tricky Legacies, right? Um, which was, as I said, sort of kind of polarizing episode for a lot of people. Not exactly a funny one. Um, and my... Personally, my main question was, all right, if you pick up all the threads that I'm wondering about in the next episode moving forward, I'm okay with this episode. That was my concern. I feel they kind of did that in this episode. They did pick up the threads with pretty much, and by the time we get to the very end, we realize, oh no, they picked it up with all of them, pretty much, you know, because the one character we were waiting for shows up at the very end for the confrontation I've been waiting for for like two seasons now. Um, so the way I would look at this episode, I, we can just you know, since they, a lot of them are very siloed storylines here, um, we can go through them one by one, and I, and if we if we wanted, you know what? Let me tackle Gene first because I have to offer a an apology <laughs> god damn it um to a uh, close friend of the podcast close friend of this podcaster i will even say her name this time my good friend adrian we had a bit of a we we disagreed about what happened to jean's son we talked about it uh, several days ago i was pretty much sure that he was dead she did not think he was dead she was right I was wrong. See? I, again, I can be wrong. It, it happens. No. Damn it. <laughs> um, <and laughs> which, I, I guess it makes sense since he was able to go off and live, you know, in a kibbutz for the next eight years. <laughs> so Gene, Gene's whole storyline is he's back in town because they're supposedly making a movie about Barry Berkman and his situation between Gene, whatever, and... And when he goes to meet with the with the executive, the the film executive, and he's even has <laughs> his his lawyer buddy is still still around. Whatever, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I guess he's a lawyer. Um, however, he does not want this to happen. Even though this sounds like the dream project of dream projects that Gene Cousineau could have you know would have been creaming his pants over you know whatever <laughs> um but now either it's simply because it would put him at at further risk because nothing's Barry has never shown up or there's more to it, but it's like Gene is on this uh you know I've seen the light kind of tour throughout this episode as as far as how he's acting here and when he goes to see his son later on um. And we there, and then the question I'll have, I don't know if we want to wait till the end for this question. I have a question about something at the very end and whether something was deliberate or not. Um, but we can, if you want to wait, if you want to hold off on that, but the, but the entire Jean storyline was, it was interesting because when last we saw Jean pre, you know, eight years later, Jean, I was troubled, not troubled, but I was like, wow, oh, I don't, I don't know if I really want to root for Gene anymore. He's got, he's right. On, he, I mean, I get it. I, I should, because that dude murdered your girlfriend. And he did essentially threaten you slash your family. Even though, so I guess maybe I should cut Gene more slack than I do. Yeah, maybe I should. Maybe, you know, maybe we can't help rooting for Barry. I don't know. At, at some point. But it started to become more troubling for me. It's like I don't know how much I can root for Gene anymore. But now it seems like Gene has kind of re, almost redeemed himself to, to some point in, in the life that he's led. And as silly as it seems to a certain extent, it's like all right, um, he's Barry's not the only one who quote unquote found religion. Seems like Gene found some himself. You know, his his real travels, and plus it's. Uh, I just like seeing Winkler just play another side of this character. It's kind of it's like oh he's he's like a gra- he's like he's like everyone's favorite grandpa just with a bigger beard. Yeah, I I, I thought they brought him back
1: from the edge this episode. I, I agree with you. Last episode uh, he was a little unlikable. Um, it, it I I feel like his journey in context of this episode made a lot of sense. And I think that the, the theme of what's happened to all of the people, and it really sort of plays out throughout this episode. Big time is it's trauma. Oh, yeah. Like what happened to Jean, what's happened to Sally. Um, and even to some extent, which we're going to talk about Fuchs, like how he's dealing with that. And, and um, uh, yeah. And Hank, you see you see the effect of it on Hank and, you know, Gene has sort of tried to make sense of it by being wanting to protect, you know, his girlfriend and wanting to protect her memory and not wanting this to be made and Barry to be glorified and her to be, you know, like a,
0: a bit part in, in Barry's story. Right, absolutely. So let's let's move over to Fuchs, since you since you mentioned because that was one I was most curious about, and in many ways it was certainly the most entertaining thing in this episode. By the way, at least I laughed a few times in this episode, unlike yes. the previous one where nothing was making me laugh, and some of it was. <laughs> look, the sight of Stephen Root <laughs> with the body. <laughs> hats and the hair slicked back and and wearing the, the the tank top and everything and having his having his boys whatever is like going oh this, this is like fuchs's dream yeah <laughs> when he when he does the sick the little hand signal to to the guard and he does it back and i was like oh my god he he Talk about taking lemons and making lemonade. You know, the fact that he took those beatings, and we saw that from the last time we saw him pre the eight-year gap was the way everyone was looking over at him when he came into the cafeteria at that point. Like, that got him the cred that he's always craved. Yeah. But this eventually eventually leads, oh, the, the Starbucks thing. Yeah. <laughs> The star, I mean, was it, I don't know if it was actually a Starbucks or whatever it was, but you know, it, we're going to call it a Starbucks just for, right. you know, whatever. And okay. <laughs> the woman behind the counter. And by the way, I love that she was just like the, looked like the most average, ordinary, whatever woman. It wasn't like some crazy young chick or, or buxom dish or whatever. It's like, no. But she wrote the raven on the cup. Yeah. And did and didn't, and just her, well, stoic look whatever and next thing you know <laughs> the shots of the, them in the car oh, oh, the way they frame all the shots you know it, it's done for which, great humor when when the top comes down you realize he's sitting in the back centered and then, then later on you see the two heads next to each other like <laughs> he, he took her with the coffee it's amazing yeah. I want to see how that conversation went and then we see that this leads to him and you know his, his, his you know his um, posse I guess and we get to find out what happened with NoHo Hank, who apparently has gone, you know, corporate with his <laughs> his takeover of L.A. and whatever. Um, Although he still has uh, that that amazing fashion sense, <laughs> we we notice that he also has a statue of Cristobal in the lobby, which Fuchs can't take his eyes off of. And I kept thinking, that's a that's a weird choice. Yeah, it's a bold bald choice. <laughs> So and so, the, all, all their interactions are, you know, because Fuchs still wants to get Barry, and I'm very it's it's very curious because Fuchs is the one who flip who's throughout the entire history of the show has flip flopped the most about Barry, you know, you know he he's his. He's his best friend. He's his pu- or he's his puppet. He hates him. He wants him dead. He, he's helping him. He's working with him. He goes back and forth, back, even in prison. They, he flip-floped several times, whatever. Um, so at this point, I'm kind of like, wait, why does he want Barry at this point? Because if it hadn't been for what Barry did, he wouldn't be in the position that he's in right now. So maybe he should be, f- you know, I'm, I'm curious about why he still wants to go there unless he you know is he just remembering the beatings he took and he's blaming barry for that which not sure if that's fair or not i don't know you know because the secret he's keeping was hank's secret not barry's secret at that point so right. I'm, i find that a little odd but it's i i go along with it but we have that scene later on when they're all because they've he they, they get this gorgeous house to him. Although it's, it's him and all his boys. <laughs> so it's it's, it's going to be their own beautiful compound. You know, it's got the infinity pool and everything. But, um, it's when he brings up Cristobal and what happened. And you see how Hank doesn't appreciate his take on it. And Fuchs, maybe it's due to the liquor that's in him, whatever. I guess it is. Um doesn't see what the problem is he's like he's he's into the no i'm complimenting you man (laughs) yeah it's and which leads to the the what looks like it dissolving their relationship or at least that's that's his intention at this point
1: yeah yeah um that the character change of fuchs being sort of like the big bad and not and being not the least bit uh, insecure is really jarring and, and, you know, done at comic effect. Um, but Hank's reaction, I mean, he's fine with all of it until Cristobal is mentioned. And uh, it makes me wonder how all, all these characters bouncing against each other, how it's going to play out. Uh, it, it's really curious that, Hank doesn't seem to be that interested in Barry anymore, um,
0: but Fuchs does. Right. Um, well, also it should be pointed out since we're talking about it. Hank is upset, but what Fuchs is saying is true. Correct. And and Hank is trying to perpetuate the lie that he had nothing to do with Crystal Ball's death that was right. by the other four. Like mm, that's not true at all. And that's so. It's interesting, you know. We talk about either be this show or other shows how people are accepting of lies and denying of truths, and that's what's happening here. And he's in in Hank's situation. He's spent the last eight years building on the lie that he didn't have anything to do with it. He's he's been in denial all that all that time, and I mean, you know, to the point where, like. He's he's built the goddamn statue to the guy in, in the right. lobby, whatever. And the fact that Fuchs can just, you know, show up, you know, fresh out of prison and you know, whatever. And say, and no, that's not what happened. Like, no, what are you talking about? You, you should be proud of yourself. You know, that a great, it's like, that's, that's literally what happened. <laughs> he's, right. he's, he's, dead right about it. He might've tried to keep him from leaving. He didn't want it to happen, but uh, dude, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> But um, I if uh, my favorite stuff in the episode probably was the Fuchs and Hank stuff because I was the most curious about where that had gone and I didn't know where they were gonna go with it. Um, it's one of those things when Fuchs first comes out of prison, I was like, oh, of course that's what's happened. It just it mm-hmm. didn't occur to me. It just of course it makes total sense because mm-hmm. you you could only go one of two ways. Either you're dead. Or you, or you rise to the top, and you know right. that's pretty much what he did. Um, same with Hank. I mean, I, it, is it a surprise that he's where he is now? No, not really. I mean, the whole corp, the whole looking like he's part of corporate America and the and the building and the and the logo. <laughs> so to some extent, their business is legit now. Although, obviously. There's also a lot of his illegitimate is interesting. I hadn't anticipated that no, but but Hank realized what Cristobal wanted Right, right, right. like
1: he like that's what Cristobal wanted that Hank betrayed him over right? That's true And now Hank has realized Cristobal's dream After Cristobal's death, which uh, you know, I think is probably why the statues there.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right So let's bounce out of state to Sally, or what's her name there again? Emily, <laughs> I forget. Doesn't matter. Uh, it's Sally. So, hmm. Basically, Barry leaves Sally at home with the kid that she. I <laughs> really seems like she could just just as well do without, as far as she's concerned. Um. Kid's a, he's a he's a he's not a mama's boy is he a daddy's boy is, is that the you describe the kid, Cause the, kid the kid clearly senses that you know his mom could you know doesn't really care that much about him you know you know he's he's gonna grow up to be jeremy in that pearl jam song anyway, <laughs> <laughs> Mama didn't give attention anyway so <laughs> so I, I love that you know he's being such a <laughs> little brat that she just takes his drink and pours some vodka whatever and I kept going you know every somewhat pious friend of ours who watches this show who's a parent is going to be all aghast at that and I mean and th- those of us who are without children or have darker senses of humor we are like no that's perfect <laughs> <laughs> the only thing would have been better is like you know i know barry had some chloroform somewhere around here where, <laughs> where, where do you order that you know here we go ah. i i found it i found it curious that she there's that moment where she keeps trying to wake him up so he can go sleep on his bed and part of me was like why not just let him sleep on the couch i'm not really sure it's oh, because she wants to sleep on the couch, and they're like, "All right, I'll get in the bedroom, whatever." Okay, so my question is: Is it the dude that she had uh, screwed with in the bathroom? Yes, it's him who's, who's who basically wrecks the house and everything. Okay, the whole business with the guy with—I guess it's him—in who's w- wearing all black and just being there behind her and following around. Um, I love the horror movie feeling of that. It reminded me of a few horror movies. It even reminded me of the opening scene of the latest Batman movie that we've seen. Um, very similar to that, actually. I wonder if that was a little bit of an inspiration there. Um, I, I really love that. And because they, they, they dragged that out longer than I expected.
1: Oh yeah, big time.
0: That was, that was really exceptional. Just, oh, we're just going to, because I increased it then just drag it out. Like, how does she not know? How does she, she's looking here. She's looking there and she keeps walking. <laughs> so the way that scene goes, all right. I get, I was expecting, the, you know, some sort of fight of some kind. Maybe the mask would be ripped off, whatever. I wasn't expecting. <laughs> Basically, smashing the truck into the house, the house, and ne- nearly tipping the house over. Um, and yes, there's a metaphor for you know, ripping, you know, you know, turning your pl- house or your world upside down. Practically, and the kids unconscious during the whole time. So that was an interesting sequence.
1: <laughs> it it really was because it kind of went the way. It kind of went the way you thought it would initially. And, and he even menaces the kid. Yes. And, and talks about that. Right. Um, but unlike somebody like Barry, he's not really a killer. He's just trying to scare her. Right. And threaten her. And the, the, I mean, when the house, when, when what happened to the house at first happened, like i literally thought are we like going into some sort of dream sequence here what's happening because the way they shot the way they shot it and even the stuff sliding and moving i just thought was great and so disorienting even to the viewer that that it was it it was an amazing sequence i'm glad like they show like the shot out the window where he drives off so like then you know this whole season we've had questions what's real and what's not right and and amazingly enough i think pretty much everything we've seen so far has been real no matter what what we think about it that's true
0: that's very true the things that we uh, even looking back there are things that we assume are just weird barry hallucination things like no that's the only things that he's seen that have been not there are or like when he saw people that can't possibly be there at right. in prison. But beyond that, all these other, these separate scenes, like everything that took place in this weird desert-like landscape, whatever, which seemed just weird and surreal and dreamlike, like what he had experienced in the previous season, you know, with his near-death experiences. And then uh, that was the big kicker. Is like, no, guess what? That's actually been, mo- most of that has actually been real. Right. Little, except for the one when it's actually Fuchs's voice. So that's a little confusing, but I almost want to go back and rewatch some of that. Now I'm curious. Yeah, It's interesting.
1: There is, there is a nice little touch in the scene with the, with the kid that uh, the kid says like, are we going to have to move again? so that you get a sense that over those eight years like they haven't been just this place
0: for eight years which makes perfect sense considering their situation yes and the, the metaphor is like you know it's like, like once again the, the world's been turned upside down you get this almost inception like thing with everything being flipped around but you know it's by the time that truck pulls away you know, whatever is in that house has totally been trashed, even though it's, it's only a few years worth of memories anyway. So if they'd had to pick up and run, I don't really know how much they would even bother taking with them, quite frankly. You know, just make sure you got all your fake IDs and, <laughs> and passports. Already. I'm surprised you can go to another country. That's what I'm surprised by. Okay. So let's see. Who have we covered? La la la. We've covered Gene and we've covered Fuchs and we've covered Hank and we've covered Sally. Who's left? Oh yeah. Barry, or Clark. So, (laughs) Barry. Barry's a little out of practice, (laughs) I'm going to say. Because I I kept thinking, (laughs) Barry is, you know, obviously tracking down and stalking Gene, that he's not being quite as discreet as perhaps he should be. That maybe, even though he's been gone for eight years he's probably in the i'm gonna guess he's probably in the top 10 most wanted fugitives list and if he knows that gene has returned to la then everyone knows obviously it was you know so wouldn't it occur to him that won't people maybe will be watching gene to see if maybe barry shows up somewhere um, that would be the first thought i would have he would take greater pains to try to be discreet but i'm thinking it's well, kind of out of practice on this to a certain extent um and meanwhile he's listening oh my god the is that are they podcasts he's listening to
1: <laughs> it's, it's either that or like radio stations or oh, radio stations. Shows where I, I, he wants the legal justification under religion that murder is okay
0: yeah and unless i'm mistaken and i think i saw his name in the credits one of those voices is Bill Burr. <laughs> the one who says it's okay is okay. Bill Burr. Of course it's Bill Burr. <laughs> so, yeah. So I love, I, I love, I we got a little degree of separation between this and the Breaking Bad with, uh, with Bill Burr. It's <laughs> like, so, yeah. God's all dead. Dad's a big Bill Burr fan. Um, so he, uh, there's, there's all these little things I really uh, loved with, with Barry. I, love. loved, okay, w- where I live. We don't have gun stores and or or WalMarts that sell guns or anything like that. Believe it or not, somehow somehow people in New York find their guns elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that they, these are a thing in mo, in many other most other parts of the country. Whatever. So the idea of Barry going to buy guns and there's that thing that the woman says to him. What is it? She do you remember what it is she says? It's kind of funny. You don't remember. I think it's like she has to ask him a question. Like, Oh, right, I just have to ask that here, here, here's your guns or
1: something like yeah.
0: that. I, I, I just, I thought, I the, don't
1: remember the exact phrase. I just remember she asked like the nudge, nudge, wink, wink here. Like, yeah. I have to
0: ask it, 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 it's, it's, it's almost like, you know, succession was mocking, you know, the state of the world and politics and especially in the presidential arena. And Barry just took a, took an, an easy, clean shot. No pun intended at, you know, the gun culture and and the simplicity and ease with which anyone can go to buy a gun because, you know, Barry slash Clark and I guess his fake IDs, you know, that's pretty much it. Um, Certainly not doing any checks on him, put it that way. Um, So I will say, because we can just get to it right now, because really it's about him waiting outside because Gene goes to see his son, and that was like, oh, he's alive. Ah, I'm wrong. And that is grandson. Oh, he's got a grandson. I didn't remember that. Okay. Um. Which gives him pause. Right? Yep. Now I'm trying to remember the order of events here because I don't want to get this wrong. Yes. Does he he falls. oh because so he, he follows him to his own somewhere else? That's what happens. He originally he, he initially he follows him. And he's going to go after him because he's going to, and he goes to his son's house. Which, which alone, you should know he's going to someone else's house. That that's not the right place to go. And then he sees the kid show up and he, and he can't. And I think he waits it out until Gene leaves and goes to wherever he's staying, presumably alone. And then he gets out of the car. Now, my question is the way that's set up, and Gene leaving the door open so you can clearly see him and what he's doing, and then it's, and obviously he's then, you know, uh, all of a sudden a hood is, is yanked over Barry's head and then we see, and we know what that means, you know. Oh, there he is, Jim Moss, you know. There's Jim Moss. That's his name, right? Yes. I mess up his name every week. I, I apologize. Um, the, the dude from The Wire. Anyway. Robert Wisdom. Robert Wisdom. Mm-hmm. Wait, doesn't he play for the Cubs? Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one listener will appreciate that. Anyway. Um, was that a deliberate thing? Do you think that was part? Do you think that the, the, because Gene being back in town, I feel Jim Jim obviously knows. I don't know why Gene would leave the door open.
1: I mean, it could have been bait. He could have been the bait to
0: try to draw Barry out. And I kind uh, of, I kind of I, I think that again. It may be just. Gene hasn't lived in a thing where he, he just didn't think to close the door, but someone knew to follow. Which, which is most likely it. But I remember thinking, huh, the door is open. That's it. Almost makes it even that much more enticing because you know you don't even have to worry about trying to break in or whatever. You know, you can actually see what's going on. You know, it's, it's it becomes more alluring. It's like oh, it's a it's the shiny red button of Gene. You know, oh, I have to press it. I have to I have to walk right up to that door and then be captured. So. Not to be a big dork about it, but, you know, I I have been waiting for the Jim versus Barry thing for a while now. Now, I don't know if it's fair, because I'm I'm assuming Barry's tied down to that chair. (laughs) I'm going to go out on a limb there. But I'm curious to see how Barry holds up under the Jim Moss treatment, which I'm guessing is coming now. And this is an episode which probably won't be very funny. At least those parts won't be. But I'm very, I'm very intrigued by it because I've been waiting for it. So, um. yeah, I mean, we talked like, will
1: we see him again? Like, did Barry kill him leaving the apartment? Like there were so many unanswered questions. Uh, and after the last episode, which I think both of us appreciated, but perhaps had the most tepid response to in the season, right. because we wanted to see the context. The show immediately picked up the threads and went back to to putting all the characters back to where we know where they are eight years later. The question is, I I don't know that we'll necessarily have a flashback, but I think Jim Moss will probably have a lot of uh, exposition that that will be illuminating uh, and it'll be interesting to see what Barry says. And Barry may be able to give a lot of exposition about what his life's been like for eight years. Um,
0: they might do that. I mean, I could see them going either way. I've, i I mm-hmm. think they could very easily do that. Absolutely. I could also, especially depends. I mean, we may get an episode, which is all the two of them. This may, yep. It may be like, you know, that the, the patient show, quite frankly, or something like that. It, they could go that way doesn't mean they will so and if they do go that way if, if if this if that episode becomes like a two-person play kind of a thing then there would be definitely um levels and layers of exposition that'll what's about the last eight years and, and so on and so forth um if they don't go that route and again i have no they might they might they, it's just as likely they won't do that and they'll. they'll we'll see you know, we'll pick up again with, you know, the Fuchs and Hank stuff and, and Gene and so on and so forth. Um, they, but they might also decide Bar- uh, Barry, Bill Hader might have already decided like, eh, you know what? I don't need to explain this. I don't need, you know, we, it's, people can fill in those gaps themselves. You know, they can create their own stories or ideas, whatever. Uh, that would be interesting because they, they hint at it. It's like, like when you pointed out earlier, when the kid says to his, to his mom, are we going to have to move again? You realize, oh, this—they've probably had to go through things a number of times. There had to be reasons why they had to leave. Maybe someone recognized somebody. Maybe there was a concern. Maybe so they recognized someone themselves. Who, who no, I'm. Have we ever been told where they are? And I just forgot Texas. Oh, they're in Texas. Okay, they didn't really move dramatically far away then, which is interesting. You think they would have, you know. You think they would have went to like New Hampshire or something. <laughs> anyway, hey, see, what I, see what I did there? Anyway, anyway uh, <laughs> okay. You you appreciate it. Don't cares. Anyway, um, so yeah, I, I don't know what they're going to do, but I, again, I like not knowing. So we'll see. Um, we'll see. That's all. I mean, I don't know what else to say about it. I, oh, there the was a scene. That, there was more scenes that made me laugh in the episode, by the way. It wasn't just the Noho, uh, Hank, and, um, Fugue stuff, although it was probably the funniest and silliest of the stuff. I, I, I would be neglectful if I didn't mention how much I enjoyed Gene, uh, having a scene once again with, um, the, whatever. I don't know if they're the FBI or whatever they're supposed to be. The way he st he speaks to Gene is, both before the eight years happened, which is like, basically make it like, yeah, we really can't help you. <laughs> it was, it's like, well, you only not really have to worry about it if someone with military back... He's kind of military trying, oh, oh, well, you're <laughs> you're kind of fucked. Yeah. Then, now, the way he talks to him in this episode you know, is equally <laughs> kind of ridiculous and funny. I really enjoyed that scene a lot.
1: Yeah, and, and, you know, I, for, I forget the character's name, but then the the Fred Fred Malamud or whoever that plays the you know his his Jean's logger when like he, you know when you discover that since jeansman has been gone he lived in his house he oh, just of course house <laughs> 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 such a scotch <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah I mean I I thought this this moves more in the direction of the Barry tone that that we're more accustomed to. Yeah. Um a little heavier than in the past, but that's to be expected based on where the story's going, but it's, but it was a step back towards the, there were laughs.
0: And I think the heaviness a lot a lot of it is coming from the Sally storyline because it's just and because she's just she's been she, she's put herself through the ringer so much over before these eight uh, eight years had passed and now I I don't know what she even cares about at this point and i I can't really blame her for that um i I wouldn't like because honestly i wouldn't like that kid either so well (laughs) you know the, the what's the thing that she
1: wanted barry for is she always felt safe with him right and he left her and that happened and she calls and is screaming his name and now the kid is like who's barry right
0: yeah, they've, they've hit, they've hit that nail a few times as well. The, yeah. The, using the old names and they keep me like, who's it? Who's Barry? Right. Who's, who's the name? I can't remember what the, her name is. Anyway. All right. So I'm going to say that I'm going to draw the curtain on this because those, it's late and we've said enough and we've got two episodes each looking forward to, right? We've got the penultimate episodes. Um, whoop. Odds are we'll probably end up recording those the same time we normally do that, that, that Thursday. Cause you're going to, cause I know you're going to be away this coming weekend and I actually have to record another podcast that week. And it hasn't been determined if I'm recording it Tuesday or Wednesday. That podcast would be Scott forgot the eighties. Um, we're doing the movie. Shit. What are we doing? Oh, Excalibur. I haven't even been doing Excalibur. So yeah. So if you like, if you like a King Arthur, and apparently go look up that movie, it's a pretty amazing cast. Like, oh, I didn't, and I did I did Again, I didn't know. Uh, I, I actually, I haven't looked up anything about the movie, but I did. I watched the trailer for it, the original trailer, and I went, huh. Whole lot of people before oh, they were famous. A lot of people. And boy, trailers are really weird in the early eighties. Anyway, yeah. Um, so, but I, I I do want to, we will endeavor to get the podcast that covers the final episodes out sooner than we normally do, Um just, you know, to keep, because it'd be more relevant to get it out quicker, so depending on our schedules. But that is the plan at this point in time. And once these shows are done, I don't know, maybe we'll never record again. No, I'm just, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> you know, the bear is coming, so... They- <laughs> Bear Bob Odenkirk, maybe I'll go watch that beef show eventually. Uh, I know there's some other things coming back. Fargo doesn't come back till who knows when. So, see, I can't, I can't pull the plug on the podcast because there's going to be another season of fucking, you know, Fargo with John Hamm. So how can I not? I mean, come on, yeah. I mean that's 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 a no brainer. And I'll tell you something. I don't know if it's this year or not. It might be later this year. I'm gonna say it now. You got, y'all, y'all got Jodie Foster to be in a new season of True Detective. I might need to cover that on a podcast because i I love Jodie Foster. I, yeah, that's a big get yeah, for yeah, that that's show. A huge get. I'm, I'm like, okay, I don't care who's connected to it, whatever. I don't care about my issues about certain, the second season or how I look back on the first season, which I really enjoyed at the time, still do, but it is a little bit overrated, but, um, all I need is like you got Jodie Foster for a te- for a te- for a continuing te- television series that I'm I'm in and there's a bunch of other people in it who like who I like as well and I like the premise that I've read about it was like oh okay you had me at Jodie Foster yeah I've, I've just yeah. I've adored her as as both uh, an a- an actor and even a direct I've liked her the few things I've seen that she's directed I actually enjoyed a lot I've always had a thing for her I, I don't care about what <laughs> all the other stuff I don't care. Uh, I, I, not one, two different people I've gone out with in my life. Half the reason was because I thought they sounded like Jodie Foster when they spoke. I, I kid you not. Anyway. <laughs> Paging Mr. Hinkley, Mr. Hinkley. Wow, 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 wow. Hope, hope you, hope you don't get hurt on that long drive tomorrow. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> oh, say, hi, say hi to all the, all the people who don't like me there. Anyway, so if you enjoyed this podcast, guess what? You'll enjoy hanging out on our Facebook page as well. It's the Serious TV Drama Podcast page. Like the page and join the conversation about TV shows like Succession, Barry, and so many more. Uh, where else do I tell people to go? Well, you can, you know what, if you go to Apple Podcasts and find us there, you can rate and review us. I would sure love that, um, even though we've done quite, quite well in that category better than a lot of other podcasts, quite frankly. Ha, ha, ha. Um, but I wouldn't mind more. Or you can just go to podbean.com and, you know, just type in Serious TV Drama Podcast or STVD. It works, too. And you can get all 300... Is this 379? Is that what number this is? Three se- oh, no! This is 380! Oh, wow! 380 podcasts. That means nothing. Anyway... <laughs> <laughs> but except all 380 of them are there um and i think now that i reformatted that that pay that 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 site uh several weeks ago you can actually read whatever whatever podcast is about because <laughs> before and i didn't know this and this is the case for like years once you got past the first couple pages you know so say we're at like 350 so once you got under like number like 280 or something or 260. All of a sudden, hey, you know what? I can't read anymore. (laughs) I can't read what any of the podcasts are about because the font just disappeared. I don't know what happened, but once I reformat, I think everything looks, looks just grand. Now it just sounds bad, but it looks, at least it looks good. (laughs) Anyway, um, what else do I normally say here? Oh yeah, you can follow us on Instagram. Our Instagram is serious TV drama. Um Yeah, I got to post a few little pictures there, which I'll probably do in the next week or so, which really are just the images from our podcast. But, you know, maybe I'll put in some, you know, I don't know, something else. And better still, you can also follow us on Twitter. You know, hey, Musk is gone. So that's something, right? Um, our handle here is at STVD Podcast. That's STVD as in series TV drama. Once again, we will be back next week to cover the penultimate episodes of Succession and Barry so it should be a good one a good podcast I mean oh good episodes as well and what makes them better is that I get to do them with someone named Brian Berkman no Brian it's just Brian
1: <laughs> <laughs> well it's it's always enjoyable and th- these have been two shows that we both really really enjoy and really looking forward to next week so we hope to have you all back with us next week to hear what we think and uh and Throw some comments out there before the end of the year. That would not be a bad idea. And
0: we know at least we have at least two or three listeners I know that are prone to comment on things, you know. And some folks who, for some reason, message me instead of making public comments, you know, you can say it in public. People are allowed to know that you listen and you uh, never mind. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Brian, thank you so much for joining. And we will be back next week. Have a good night. Good night. <laughs>